This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. We're broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in sunny Santa Monica in the heart of Silicon Beach. Please be seated. Um, check us out on the web at internetlawcenter.net. And um, we got a great show for you today. And as usual, we have background on our show available um, with our show notes, which are available at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And we actually have a, a special backgrounder as well um, on Saudi Arabia on connected to the show notes so we have two posts related to today and today's an important show because we we highlight a very important issue imagine posting a a blog and uh not only getting as you might as you might in the united states get some bad feedback or get a troll here or there but instead imagine going to jail for 10 years and having to endure a thousand lashes um, at a rate of 50 per session. And just imagine that. And as insane as that may sound, it is actually a real-life case. And our guest today is going to talk about that. Um, we're lucky to have with us, um, from calling in from Jerusalem, Brandon Silver. And he's the Director of Projects at the Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights. Brandon, can you hear us? Hello, Bennett. Uh, well, thank you for, for having us and for highlighting Raif's just case and cause on your program. As you mentioned, I'm in the midst of uh, uh, Middle Eastern uh, work meetings between Jerusalem, Cairo, Amman, but we're working to build international coalition for Raif, and uh, your interest and the engagement of your uh, listeners is an integral part of that. And so... For those who may be unfamiliar with, um, one, the work of the Raoul Wallenberg Center, and, and two, just the, the, the historic you know, um, nature of who Raoul Wallenberg was and how he was one of the great heroes of the 20th century, tell, tell us about that. Well, Bennett, as you mentioned, uh, Raoul Wallenberg was named by the United Nations. They described him as the greatest humanitarian of the 20th century. Wow. And that's because in, in World War II, he had been posted to Budapest as a diplomat on behalf of Sweden. And at the time, the Holocaust was raging. The Nazis had deported um, some 400,000 Hungarian Jews. Uh, this is already by July 1944, deported to Auschwitz in the span of 10 weeks. The fastest, cruelest, 
and most efficient mass murder of the Nazi genocide. Yet Wallenberg, one person, a non-Jewish Swedish diplomat, stood up and spoke out, and through the issuing of Schutz passes, protective passports, and of protective safe havens, he single-handedly saved over 100,000 Jews in the span of six months, more than any government combined, which ultimately goes to show that one person with the compassion to care and the courage to act can confront injustice, prevail, and transform history. So that's why our center is named after Raoul Wallenberg. It's a powerful message. But also, what many don't know is that Raoul Wallenberg himself, while he saved so many, he was not saved by so many who could have. After the Soviets had uh, invaded, he was disappeared into the gulags, never to be heard from again. Uh, so we also... Uh, advocate on behalf of political prisoners whose release can have a transformative effect on their societies and the world. And and tell us about uh, more about your your work. Who 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 has um, founded this organization, and how is it that you came to be? Because you're 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 not in Sweden. You're in Canada. Of course, um, we're a Canadian-based organization. Um, Raul Wallenberg happens to be a honorary citizen of Canada. But we were founded by Erwin Kotler, the former uh, Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada, who had been a champion for political prisoners and human rights throughout his lifetime uh, and continues to do so today, including notably uh, cases of uh, including Nelson Mandela, uh, Andrei Sakharov, considered the father of uh, modern human rights movement, the former Soviet dissident, uh, so in, anchored in uh, the humanitarian life and legacy of Raoul Wallenberg, we have a couple of prongs to our mission. As I mentioned, the pursuit of justice more broadly underpins that, but we seek freedom for political prisoners, and we also uh, pursue the protection and promotion of democracy, both in free societies, so promoting a human rights foreign policy that our uh, country should be taking uh, the right positions internationally, and... Uh, the promotion of inclusion, the combating of racism, and honoring, again, the lessons and legacy of Raoul Wallenberg within all of that. And obviously no, uh, those political prisoners... Yeah, of course, Bennett, sorry. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you, you, you highlighted that fact and, and your founder and, and, his, and his legal history because you, you mentioned Nelson Mandela. And uh, when I was thinking about today's show and Rife's situation... I recall that there was a time when there were people calling for um, to free Nelson Mandela, and the the reaction was that that's in you know good luck with that. You know, there's no way the apartheid regime is ever going to let him go. You know, he's a threat to their very existence. It, it will never happen. And you know, people like Stevie Wonder and others, they said no, release them. And then there were protests at the South African embassy. And then there were sanctions, and then and then it was always and then and then and then and one thing built upon itself till one day. We, I still remember that Sunday when he was released and had his first steps towards freedom, and and five years later he's the president of the country, and it it's unthinkable. It was unthinkable ten years earlier, but it happened, and we are talking about. Um, Raif Badawi, who will explain how it is he got into prison and the nature of his case, and you know it may seem unthinkable, but it's not if people think it. 
And that's what you and so many other people have done to bring attention to this case. And, and that's why I wanted to have you on this show, because I want people to think about freeing Raif Badawi. So let's talk about how, um, let's talk about his background. Tell me about his blog and how it was that he came into the Saudi legal system. Well, of course, but uh, you mentioned Nelson Mandela, Bennett, and that's really an incredible, amazing story, but happily not exceptional. And Raif Badawi, others like him, uh, can have the same transformative effect as Nelson Mandela. The story of Nelson Mandela exemplifies uh, why we should pursue freedom for political prisoners, and that's why uh, Bennett, it's so important that you're highlighting Raif's case and that your listeners are engaged and, and uh, hearing about it because Raif, in advocating for freedom, for human rights, uh, was facing similar persecution. And you asked uh, a bit about his case. He simply sought to exercise uh, rights that are ostensibly guaranteed under Saudi law and for which we take for granted um, in our societies, namely the right to freedom of expression. And for that, he faced oppression. For, for blogging, he faced flogging. Uh, he was already administered 50 of his 1,000 lashes that he was sentenced to, uh, a sentence of 10 years in prison and of what amounts to close to $300,000 of fines, all for simply starting a blog, speaking his mind, and advocating things that are now being implemented today. Equality for women, the right to drive, uh, you know, the opening of movie theaters. Just now they were, um, you know, having a screening of Black Panther. Those are all things that he had called for, but for which he uh, faced those grievous uh, punishments. And, and that's what's really interesting and astounding about his case. I mean, we're talking about a 10-year sentence and torture for... It sounds like he's calling for the overthrow of the government. It's not like he's you know, debasing Islam or in any form. All he's asked for in his post, and then there's some samples in the blog and the show notes, are is for tolerance, is to enable some sort of political pluralism and to be respectful of people's right to choose their religion freely. And granted, maybe we should put this in context. It, in terms of our, especially in the United States, in terms of our allies, Saudi Arabia is, is probably the least tolerant country among our uh, allies. And uh, you know, it's, it's fundamental Sunni Islam um, version of Islam known as Wahhabism is, is very strict and doesn't you know, tolerate um, any other religion. And, and here you have someone who just merely said, you know, we have to be respectful of other religion. You know, we have to be tolerant, and he's been imprisoned. It, it just same seems astounding. Well, Raif is a real hero, as you said, within that broader context uh, of, of repression and of the, the conservatism of the clerical elite. He had the courage to stand up and speak up on behalf of his fellow citizens and on behalf of values, universal values that are universally cherished, uh, freedom of expression, pluralism, uh, equality. And for that, he faces uh, those grievous punishments. 
Uh, and we're very uh, encouraged to see that there's a new Saudi leadership that are pursuing uh, those types of reforms that Raif himself had advocated on behalf of. So we're hopeful that with these changes, Raif will hopefully be released because that's the uh, natural progression and the only logical conclusion. If you are genuine about those reforms that you're pursuing, then the champion of those same changes uh, should be released. And just and to put this in context, it, you know, for those who may be unfamiliar with the case, it is not as if this just happened. Um, he was first detained in 2008, 10 years ago, and prevented from leaving the country. And then he was arrested in 2012 on charges of insulting Islam through electronic channels and cited for apostasy, uh, which is a crime that has an automatic death sentence. Um, 2013, convicted and sentenced to seven years in prison and 600 lashes. And then he has the sentence increased to 10 years and uh, 1,000 lashes in 2014. And, it, it, you know, and so he has been languishing in prison now for how long? Yeah, so we're, we're nearing uh, the sixth anniversary of uh, his imprisonment. He was first um, arrested in 2012, as you mentioned. It's really uh, uh, an egregious case that, uh, you know, shakes the soul. And I think it's uh, not only doing that for his fellow Saudis who uh, are facing this kind of oppression, who happen to have the highest rates for use of new technologies, for use of social media. So what message does Raif's imprisonment send to those young Saudis, send to those... Um, from abroad, who Saudi Arabia is encouraging to invest and visit. What message does that send them about those sorts of basic rights and basic, um, you know, technologies that they seek to use? And it's having a broad international resonance. If you look around the world, Raif is probably one of the most celebrated prisoners of conscience in the world today. He's received scores of uh, honorifics and human rights awards. And there is a broad and inclusive global coalition seeking his freedom, incorporating both grassroots and governments. So there's two important events that happened in 2015. And the first is in early 2015, he is subject to 50 lashes in front of a mosque in Jeddah. And can explain to, can you explain to our listeners what 50 lashes does to a human being? Well, Bennett, it's, it's something that, you know, can't even be articulated. Raif already had pre-existing medical conditions, uh, and to, to exercise such uh, uh, inhumane and inhuman uh, persecution of someone simply for speaking their mind on anybody, it is illegal, but especially for, for a hero like Raif. And may I add, it is in violation of Saudi Arabia's own laws and obligations under the United Nations Convention on Torture, which they've ratified. Such punishments are prohibited under the Arab Charter for Human Rights. Those kinds of punishments are prohibited. So in their treatment of Raif, 
they're demonstrating uh, a, a failure and corruption of uh, rule of law in Saudi Arabia, and again, of, of such uh, horrid treatment of, of an upstanding citizen. And uh, I think that's something that's alarming for Saudis, and that's alarming for uh, anybody of conscience around the world. And I think that's why you're seeing such uh, a broad outcry across the globe uh, calling for it to be ended, for clemency to be granted. And that sort of citizen action is what led to the lashes being stopped. He was sentenced, unbelievably, to a thousand lashes, uh, which could very well lead to death. Uh, it's, it's death through torture. But the only 50 of those lashes had been administered thanks to uh, intense public engagement to see it stopped. And I believe that with continued public engagement, we can see Raif free. And he was supposed to go for 20 consecutive Fridays of 50 lashes each Friday. And it was stopped, you know, one, because of his health. He, he, couldn't, he could not withstand the next set of lashes, but also because of the international outcry. And that was very important. Now, another critical event in 2015 is there's a, a change in the Saudi regime. And you have um, the current king assuming the throne and giving the reins to his son, Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman, who is starting to push Saudi Arabia in the last year or so towards arguably a more moderate position in in the world and uh, and has taken steps such as um, a, a permitting women to drive which I think has may not have gone into effect yet but will soon um, permitting women to go to soccer games um, allowing them to vote in certain elections and, and certain other you know, liberalizations including um, as you mentioned, you know, al allowing cinema in Saudi Arabia for the first time, and the much-heralded Black Panther is was the very first movie screened in Saudi Arabia in I think 30 years. All of these things are things that Rafe Badawi, Rafe Badawi had called for, and um, so on one hand, you have 2015, this this kind of symbol of the extreme dark ages. And then you, 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 there's a change in regime that seems like they're trying to at least catch up to the 19th century, and um, if not the 20th, but Raif's still in jail. Well, what we're advocating and what the world and wherever the prince goes, I believe he's encountering these messages that... In his own words, if he's seeking a moderate Islam, or if I, and I quote, seeking to, for Saudis to lead normal lives where their religion and traditions translate into tolerance, then the champion of those changes, who is a champion of liberalism, who said, for me, liberalism simply means live and let live, end quote. It seems like there's a bit of a parallel in what they were both saying and pursuing, yet one is free to travel the world and tote those changes, while the other languishes in a Saudi prison recovering from torture and lashings. Now, there seems to be uh, quite a dissonance there. Uh, so if the Saudi leadership and the crown prince wants to be taken seriously about his commendable 
initiative of reforms, uh, he must free Raif. Now, seeking freedom for Raif is not only the right thing, it's the smart thing. Now, many people are, are alleging variety of considerations and reasons for, for the pursuit of these reforms, and whatever they may be, Raif Adawi will help advance those interests. His freedom will be a cause for celebration around the world, and whether it's in their uh, pursuit of greater investment in Saudi Arabia, uh, Raif's release would demonstrate greater respect for rule of law, which serves as a protection for those kinds of investments, whether it's uh, pursuit of their regional strategic interests, again, releasing Raif would end a major distraction and blot on their human rights record and allow them to refocus on those areas that they're seeking to pursue. Ultimately, those very same reforms they are seeking to implement, Raif had initially initiated and put on the radar for Saudis in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so this is just a logical progression. Releasing Raif is what they must do if they are to be taken seriously. Well, we certainly hope that will be the case, but we're going to talk about this more after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. AM Days 2018 comes to Las Vegas, May 16th and 17th. Register now at amdays.com. Make the most of your performance marketing with help from some of the most iconic brands, including Microsoft, Capital One, Uber, Backcountry, and many more. AM Days 2018 brings together a powerhouse of industry leaders and dealmakers to network and share insights on the latest practices and cutting-edge updates in performance marketing and more. Make plans to be in Las Vegas for our landmark 10th event. AM Days 2018 Las Vegas, May 16th and 17th. Webmaster Radio listeners can save 20% on two-day and combo passes using promo code WMR20. Register now at amdays.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and um, we're talking about the amazing case of Raif Badawi, and uh, we're talking with his one of his lawyers, Brandon Silver, and tell us how it is that you came to represent Raif. Well... Uh, As you had mentioned earlier, uh, I'm a part of the team at the Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights, which, as part of its mission, has taken up the cases and causes 
of political prisoners whose release can transform the world. And Ensaf Haidar, Raif's wife, and his children, Najwa, Maryam, and Dodi, had fled Saudi Arabia and eventually ended up as refugees in Canada. Considering we're based in Montreal, uh, Ensaf and her children were living only a couple hours away and had approached us about Raif's case. And of course, the justness of his cause spoke out to us as it has spoken out to so many others around the world. And we committed to do whatever we could to see Raif free. And tell us about her. I mean, she uh, it's hard to convey over radio. You, you have to see her her videos in which there's a, a video on the show notes but she seems like quite a remarkable person in herself yeah i mean to to champion a cause as as a, a single mother raising three children um as refugees in a new country with a new language with a new culture and at the same time wage a global campaign against the unjust treatment of her husband seeking his freedom is really something that's quite admirable and uh, I think that's part of the reason why they've managed to build a, a broad and inclusive international movement. So beyond our own legal team, our Raoul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights has established a political prisoner advisory board that consists of some of the most notable uh, former political prisoners who advise on elements of strategy on the case. Uh, that includes uh, Mohammed Nasheed, the former president of the Maldives and a political prisoner there who's now in exile. That includes... Um, Saad Eden Ibrahim, an Egyptian public intellectual, human rights activist, and former political prisoner, and others like them. It also includes our center has established an international legal advisory board that's composed of former ministers of justice and attorney generals from around the world and former Supreme Court justices. So from the standpoint of advocacy and strategy, we've got an all-star team. And from the standpoint of international advocacy, uh, working in partnership with ENSAF and others, there's been a broad coalition, again, including civil society organizations, both regionally, such as the Saudi um, Human Rights Monitoring Organization and the um, Gulf Center for Human Rights, and then internationally, uh, such as Amnesty, such as Reporters Without Borders. And I know um, one of their directors, Margot Ewan, was on your show. Yes. Um, and, uh, and that's just from the civil society standpoint. Uh, and I could go on when it comes to high-level government intervention. Just yesterday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had personally intervened. He picked up the phone, called the prince, called the king, and said, you must release Raif. And he joins a chorus of international voices. Uh, President Macron, in uh, his recent meeting with the prince, similarly uh, called for Raif's release. And uh, Bennett, I understand you've been involved in, in politics somewhat. So you understand the fractious nature of political discourse in our democracies. So it's really quite remarkable when you see that seeking freedom for Raif has been a point of unanimity. The Canadian Parliament unanimously called for his release. There's bipartisan American support in the Congress and Senate. The French Senate called for his release. And you have the European Parliament I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Sakharov. I, for those who aren't familiar, Andrei Sakharov was a, I believe, a nuclear a physicist for the, you know, is the Soviet regime. You know, part of their atomic development program, but ultimately became um, their most famous prisoner of conscience. And his his dissident status ultimately led to the Helsinki, Helsinki Accords that established you know the framework for human rights in the 
the end of the Soviet era. So a very important person to highlight. And you know, so that's a distinguished award to get. And he also will be named as part of the Los Angeles Press Club Awards this June. Um, he will get the Daniel Pearl Award, which is um, named after the uh, deceased journalist who was beheaded in Pakistan. And um, his family is based here in Los Angeles, wonderful people. But um, he it goes that award goes to a journalist who exhibits certain you know great courage in, in journalism and past recipients have included um, Charlie Hedbo, for example. And so um, I was very thrilled to see the Los Angeles Press Club name him as a recipient. But you mentioned some of the actions we've seen, the, the leadership uh, in your your government, Justin Trudeau, calling out um, the uh, Saudi government on this and President Macron. And we have had efforts here in, in, the, in Congress. People have been trying to raise this issue. But there's a question. I have a question about United States leadership in this area. Saudi Arabia is the number one purchaser of American arms. Next to Canada, they're our second largest uh, supplier of crude oil. And I, what is, how would you assess you know, the United States leadership position on human rights with respect to the, the Raif Badawi case? Well, those elements that you mentioned, Bennett, uh, can be leveraged. That kind of deep relationship that the United States has with Saudi Arabia can, should, and must be uh, leveraged and emphasized to seek uh, the release of Raif. Those core values of ours, uh, freedom of, of expression, right to dissent, and just basic human dignity, demand that uh, we take action. And those cases that you raised earlier, whether it be Sakharov, whether it be Mandela, uh, their freedom was ultimately secured because of citizen action. And you see, at a grassroots level, mass uh, expressions, uh, solidarity, and action on behalf of Raif from the American people and from people around the world. And I think the leadership has taken note of that. If you look at uh, the U.S. Congress, at the U.S. Senate, uh, they've they feel a personal stake in Raif's case and cause. And again, that's a bipartisan uh, element. Whether it's in the Congress with uh, Democratic Representative Jim McGovern, chair of the Human Rights Commission, who said that he has personally adopted Raif and will not relent until he sees him free. And on the Republican side, Senator Marco Rubio said the same thing to NSAF. He said, I will not stop until I see Raif free and out of prison for simply expressing his thoughts. Now, it's really something quite remarkable when you see congressmen and senators on both the Democratic and Republican side united in common cause seeking freedom for Raif. Now, what we've seen liberalization in Saudi Arabia, there's been an argument that it, it has a commercial component. Allowing women to drive will enable them to work. It will enable, you know, it will stimulate commerce. They'll buy more cars. They'll spend more money, whatever. You know, same for motion pictures. Showing film, you know, it will bring entertainment. It will stimulate the economy, whatever. And and so I think they're able to placate the, the fundamentalists to an extent on giving yielding on these points. But I haven't seen them yield on people who express a view that is disfavored by the fundamentalists. 
and Raif being one. In addition, there's a a kid who just merely protested against the government when he was 16, and has been he's been sentenced to crucifixion. Uh, it hasn't been carried out yet, but you know, just the mere act of protest that alone could get get a crucifixion, which is just astounding in this this modern age. If they haven't moved away from that. Yeah, those are, are really, uh, you know, shock the conscience when you hear of cases and punishments of, of such a nature. Now, I'm, I'm hopeful that with the stated reforms, with the public statements that have been made, and those incremental, as you said, it's not nearly enough, but it's a move in the right direction, that uh, that will continue to move forward apace and that we won't see these types of punishments, these types of imprisonments. Uh, but uh, until then, we have to continue doing uh, as we must and as we should uh, in, in keeping the pressure on the Saudi uh, government to release heroes like Raif, heroes like his lawyer, Walid Abu Al-Qair, who have been a champion of human rights monitoring and was defending uh, prisoners of conscience and those unjustly targeted, like the case you had mentioned. Uh, so we must be sure to stand up and speak out in favor of those human rights defenders who are targeted uh, simply for, for uh, pursuing justice and for pursuing uh, those norms that Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia ostensibly protects. Now, it, it bears reminding that uh, Saudi Arabia domestically has uh, a constitution and certain protections that it, it states it affords its citizens and has ratified international conventions. Now, those international conventions not only have uh, domestic obligations, but have mutual obligations amongst the signatories. So it's not only a uh, right or moral imperative, it is a legal obligation for states that have signed it. Canada, all those European states that have uh, uh, spoken out to, to take action, to legally uh, to, to politically, in every possible avenue, stand up for those people who are being persecuted in violation of their treaty obligations. Now, another point, you mentioned the economic components. And the prince has said in his Vision 2030 uh, platform and campaign that he's seeking to raise foreign, divest, foreign direct investment to 5.7% of GDP. He's seeking uh, and encouraging uh, foreign business entrepreneurship, and investment in his country. Uh, but the type of imprisonment and repression that he engages in sends the message that the protections of constitution and contract will not be respected. So uh, why should anybody uh, pursue those investments that are a Saudi strategic priority if they could easily be treated with the same arbitrariness that uh, Raif Badawi or that that young teenager who you referenced are being treated with. So I think improvement in rule of law, improvement in human rights standards and treatment on Raif Badawi in particular, but for Saudis in general, will actually help advance those strategic goals that the prince has espoused, even those with the economic components that he referenced. And, and you have done, a, I think, a good job in, in being shrewdly making this point to the print, crown prince because I first came across you in your piece along with Mr. Badawi's wife in Time Magazine where basically you said, hey, if you really are serious about 
you know, moderating and liberalizing your, the Saudi regime, let's start by releasing Raif. Well, uh, that's that's exactly uh, the goal, Bennett, and uh, especially with cases like these, that as we were just discussing, face uh, great obstacles in terms of domestic uh, juridical norms, protection of rule of law, and the like. Often that means that our advocacy cannot only be in the courthouse, it must also be in the court of public opinion. So in that regard, we've been trying to sensitize the public and galvanize a global movement uh, to seek the freedom of Raif. Obviously, that uh, article in uh, Time magazine was a, a part of that larger struggle. Uh, similarly, that was on, on the Prince's uh, tour of the United States uh, to highlight the point that it is in his own interest, in the self-interest of Saudi Arabia, to release Raif. And then when he arrived in France, that very same article was published in Marianne magazine, which is uh, the time of France. Uh, it was published in French there. Ensaf, uh, Raif's wife, wrote an, an op-ed in Le Monde, which is France's version of the New York Times. Uh, you had journalists from uh, France 24, their version of CNN, uh, covering Raif. So basically, when the prince arrived, every newsstand was covered with articles and op-eds about Raif. When he arrived to go meet uh, Macron in the seat of government, you had French senators raising the case saying Raif must be released. Uh, you had President Macron himself calling for Raif to be released. So you see this critical mass of public advocacy in France, but everywhere else the prince goes. And it's not just exclusive to the political realm, which is incredibly important, but it's cross-sectional and multifaceted, whether it's in business, whether it's in human rights, whether it's in the media, every sector is calling for Raif to be free. And ultimately, uh, I'm optimistic that it will reach that tipping point soon because the prince and Saudi Arabia cannot pursue its strategic priorities in the face of Raif's unjust imprisonment. While they want to talk about investment, while they want to talk about Qatar or Iran, everybody else is talking about Raif. So they have to... Uh, you know, release Raif and uh, change the direction of the conversation if they're going to successfully pursue their strategic interests. Now, your your piece closes. Ultimately, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman has full authority to grant clemency. When he releases the list of pardons in advance of Ramadan next month, the Crown Prince should take the opportunity to propel his agenda forward, both within Saudi Arabia and across the globe, by freeing Raif Badawi and allowing him to join in Quebec... Canada, his wife, and stuff. So, Brandon, is is Ramadan really your focal point right at this moment? Well, I see Raif's case reaching a tipping point. You've got mass public outcry, whether in Saudi Arabia or around the world. You've got now a new Saudi leadership pursuing reforms, saying they want a new liberal kingdom. Uh, so the champion of those same values, of those same changes, uh, should be released. And Ramadan is an opportune moment to do so, as they traditionally uh, grant clemency to prisoners at that time. And, uh, Bennett, the reason I'm so optimistic uh, is because my uh, mentor and the founder of our center, Erwin Kotler, who's leading the case, uh, once explained, you know, at what point you can pursue the release of a political prisoner. When does it reach that tipping point where they're finally freed? And, and he had shared a story with me, if I may, the, an, an anecdote uh, of when he was 
serving as counsel to uh, Sakharov, who we discussed earlier, and his colleague, uh, Natan Sharansky, both human rights activists in the Soviet Union. And eventually, Professor Kotler was on a panel many years later with uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, the former premier of the Soviet Union. And he had asked him, you know, what role his advocacy, if at all, had played in their eventual release, that building of, of that global movement. And uh, Gorbachev had said, at the time of their imprisonment, he was uh, Minister of Agriculture. And wherever he would go around the world, when he would seek to discuss farming, uh, growing of tomatoes, whatever it may be, they would always, before starting the conversation, say, firstly, we want to hear about that political prisoner in the Soviet Union. Whenever Gorbachev would go to a press conference, before the journalist would let him speak about agriculture, they would ask him about the political prisoners. So he said that when he got back to the Soviet Union, he called for this file to be brought up because he hadn't even heard of these political prisoners who were uh, part of a global movement for their release. And he had their file called up and said, well, they haven't really done something so dangerous. They're just troublemakers. It is in our own self-interest. And that's the key word. He said, it's in our own self-interest to pursue our strategic priorities to simply have those political prisoners released. That way we could get on with what we're trying to accomplish. And I think we're very near to that point uh, for Raif Badawi in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and a parallel anecdote is that recently, uh, when they were pursuing that uh, policy of uh, blockading Qatar and seeking to end their support for terrorism, Saudi Arabia and its Gulf allies convened a major press conference in Canada's national capital of Ottawa uh, to call for Canada and Canadians to uh, intervene in favor of, of their actions. Now, instead of uh, the message of their campaign resonating, every journalist at the press conference was asking about Raif instead. So they had to abandon their advocacy on Qatar and instead talk about Raif's unjust imprisonment. Now, the same holds true for their efforts to counter Iranian influence in the region and beyond. Uh, releasing Raif will simply allow them to focus on those issues that they care about to advance their strategic priorities. I think we're very near to that tipping point where they're realizing it's in their own self-interest to release Raif and move on with their priorities. And Ramadan is a propitious moment to do so. Well, we have a propitious moment to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to wrap up with Brandon and talk about what you can do to help Raif after these messages. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report only on webmasterradio.com. FM. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the 2018 International Web Award Competition. 
Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit www.webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2018. Go to www.webaward.org and sign up today. St. Jude continues to advance by increasing cure rates in childhood cancer. And donors are important to us because you get the feeling that you have a team behind you. When it comes to research and advancements, there are some things that only we can do because we have the resources and we have the focus. And so if St. Jude doesn't do it, who will? St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back and we're talking with Brandon Silver, who's part of the the team over at the Rollin Wallaberg Center that's leading the fight to help free Raif Badawi. And uh, it's really been a fascinating discussion. And one thing I think you make a good point as to why the Crown Prince should free Badawi just because it just it allows him to talk about the things he wants to talk about. Because here's the here's the deal. If people like me start looking at what's going on in Saudi Arabia and they find out about Raif, and then they find out about the other political prisoners, and then they start looking more closely about Yemen and, and the war crimes that are happening there, and then they start looking at maybe what's happening in um, Qatar. And you know, is that consistent with human rights what's, or is that humanitarian? And I, I think it, it just shines a spotlight in an area that I, I don't think the crown prince wants people digging. And and so I do think it it would be propitious to take that action with Ramadan coming up in May. Now we only have a little bit of time left. What can people do to help the cause? What can people? Because a lot of our listeners are bloggers and they're involved in the web. What can they do to to send a message that Raif Badawi has to be freed? Well, then it, there's a lot that uh, citizen action can accomplish. Now, you, you referenced the blogger community, and Raif's fellow bloggers uh, were amongst the first to highlight his just case and cause and to bring it to the forefront of the public agenda. Uh, whether it's as simple as a tweet or a blog post, uh, writing a letter to a Democratic representative, whatever country you may be in, whether it's a parliamentarian, congressman, senator, shaping the public discourse and developments can play an integral role in building that critical mass of public outcry and public advocacy that tips the scales and sees Raif free. And so we only have a few minutes left. Um, if people want to find out more about you and your, your organization, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, we're on a variety of platforms. You can follow us on Twitter at Erwin Kotler, I-R-W-I-N-C-O-T-L-E-R. We're also on Facebook, Erwin Kotler, the Raul Wallenberg Center for Human Rights. And in about a week or two, our uh, new website is going to launch, uh, rwchr.org, so you could uh, check there. And we also have a uh, newsletter, which you could subscribe on, on through Facebook, and we'll be sure to send updates on Raif's uh, 
developments in this case and on the other political prisoner files that uh, we're working on. And again, uh, we're named after Al Wallander because we truly believe that every individual, including every listener here on this show, can stand up, speak out, and transform the world. And there's a lot we can do to uh, see Raif free with, with simple, meaningful actions. Every, there's a famous quote, one man can make a difference and every man should try. And this, I invite you to go to RaifBadawi.org. They actually have a, a page, how you can help Raif. And there has Twitter Twitter addresses for the Saudi government, for the U.S. Emb- embassy and other consulates, etc. So make your voices heard. Tell, let the world know that it's time to free Raif. Thank you very much, Brandon. It's been a pleasure having you. And join us next week for another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report right here on webmasterradio.fm. Check out our show notes at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com and follow us on Twitter at cyberlawradio. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.